think I should really quickly say that um, both Helen and I came from non-Christian homes, so uh, we got saved. Uh, I, I got saved when I was 18, and Helen got saved relatively similar, similar age. And, um, and first, when I got saved, uh, a bunch of friends, that was when I was in Melbourne, uh, a bunch of uh, uni students shared the gospel with me, and on that night, I saw demons. Okay, how would you like to, you know, encounter demons, you know, when you, you know, when you want to get to know God? And then uh, I was so scared and I said, well, my Christian friends, please, what the heck is this, you know, help me out. And he said, well, you, you need to know Jesus. I said, oh, well, get, get these things out of me, you know, and, uh, and a week later I was baptized by the Holy Spirit. I felt like, you know, it's almost like a fireball hit me and I started to speak in tongues without teaching without anyone teaching me and discipling me and the Holy Spirit himself is my helper. You know, he is my teacher and he is my, my, my guidance. He is there for me. So ever since then, um, you know, I learned to be passionate for God. So, so this is one thing that I always um, come across is this. We hear people often say, um, I don't know um, what, God's, what, what God has called me to do. And I don't know where should I serve or what sort of job. How many of you guys hear that from time to time? Yeah, I don't know where I'm, what I'm supposed to do and stuff like that. And how many of you guys know that the problem is never the call of God? The problem is always about our response to the call of God. And the other day, I was talking to Pastor James. You know, we had a 70-year-old man. He walked, he, he, he walked by our church and he saw the big sign, Harvest Church, our, sign, our signage you know, of our church building. And, uh, and he came and visited us once. And after that, never saw him again. A year later, which was two weeks ago, he came back. And I was preaching this message. And then he said, you know what, Stan? I haven't been responding to the call of God. And when I saw the sign, I knew that God has called me to be in this church. And I said, so, so, so what stops you? He said, well, that, that's my disobedience. Isn't it nice when people do... Um, reflections and they just like you know they, they just tell them how how wrong that how wrong that was instead of you telling them oh that was your disobedience you know so it's always amazing to ask for people's reflection okay so what's your reflection on that and it's it's so amazing so he said you know what if and and i just believe that i need to come not because of the church but because of the call of god so um so how many of you guys know that um we, we really have no problem with the call of God. And, and do you know how, you know, what is the primary call that God has called us to do or to be? So I want to read this scripture and I'm going to carry on. Okay, so 2 Timothy chapter 2 in verse 2. And I believe this is one of your pastor's favorite verses. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, my thought is that, what am I going to teach other people? Is it because my, my, my core is a pastor? Should I teach people how to be a pastor? You know, if I'm a businessman, should I call people, should I teach people how to be, uh, uh, be a businessman or making money? And I found there's a verse from, uh, from the Old Testament. One of the first primary callings that God has called his people to become is to become his people. So the primary calling is never about what you do, your position, your title, or anything. It's about, it's about what you can become. Oftentimes, we think about what we want to do 
But God said, no, before you think about what you want to do, think about what you can become. Because God has called you to be his people. So God called um, uh, the people of Israel. I said, I called you to be my people. And you are my people and I'm your God. Amen. So that is our primary calling. Now, I really felt like I need to pray. I think this is something I really miss. So, yeah. Never pray enough. Can we, can we actually spend 60 seconds just to pray? Okay. Father God, we thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for prompting me to pray. And we just commit this to you. And just knowing that, Lord, I'm only the delivery boy. And you, are the, you, are, you carry the word of God. And you are the one who speaks to your people. So, Father God, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak and to quicken and to bring revelation so that the end of the, at the end of the day, we will learn to recognize your call and to respond to your call. So we thank you, Lord, for this morning. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Okay, cool. So, so our primary calling is that God doesn't just call us to be evangelist, teacher, pastor, or apostle. I believe those are only the second tier calling. The first tier calling is always about having a passionate, loving, real relationship with our God. You know, so, the, so it's, it's about what we become and then what we do will become a lot more easier. Because it's not about what you do and you teach other people what to do. It's about while you're doing whatever you do, whether you're in a secular world or you are, you're in business or you're in church, when people see that, you have that sparks in your eyes and the passion that you have in your life. People get drawn to you. So it just doesn't matter what you do. I mean, you can stack up chairs, but you get so passionate about stacking up chairs, you know, with that, with, no, with that smile on your face, and you are like jumping up here and there, and people just think, you know what, it doesn't matter what you do. I, I want to do, I, I do what you do. You know why? Because I want to be a little bit more like you. I want to just be around you. I want to hang around you because you are a passionate lover for God. And that is our most important calling. So what do we teach then? And I believe this is what happened. Teach them the way you conduct or carry your relationship with the Lord to the next generation. Right. It's not about your operation and administration and teaching and all that. All these things will come. You know why? Because those are your giftings. It will come so naturally for you. And you don't need to be trained. It's easy for you to teach. But it's the, harder, it's the harder part. The harder part is this, is that how can you retain that loving, passionate, lively, real, vivid uh, friendship connections with Jesus? That, that's the hardest part. You know why? Because we're so busy. You know, we have things to do. We have work to do. We have money to make. We have families to care. But, but the part is that, can we actually make room and, and spare time and, and, to, and to draw from God? I don't know how we, conduct, how we cultivate our, our love and our intimacy with God. Some of you might be like worshipping, you know, picking up your guitar like Viv, and then she can just like go, go off for hours and hours. You know, some of you, you like to read the Word. And uh, some of you, you just like to have your quiet time. And some of you, you like to... I don't know, to share, share the gospel on the street and some people, I don't know what you do. But you know what, what, it, you know what it takes for you to keep that fresh connections with God. 
And you just need to keep going back to that. Keep going back to that. If you think that you want to spend one hour with the Lord, get up five o'clock in the morning, just be quiet, you know, put your blanket over your head, you know, knees on the floor and just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for 10,000 times. If that can give you the juice, if that can give you the energy, and you do it. Yeah. Amen. And, and it's only you. Yeah, come on, let's give the Lord a big hand of praise. And, and while you're doing what you do, and then you impart that passion, you impart that intimacy with other people. And then you get, and people will get to, you know, they will never remember what you do, but they will remember who you are and what you carry, the substance that you carry. Amen. So, so how, how many of you guys know that there is, that, that, that it's never the problem uh, the, sorry, the call of God is never the problem. The problem is about our response. I still hear people say, oh, well, you know, um, I'm not like, you know, the pastor, you know, he's got a definitive call of God and God spoke to him audibly. And I'm not like this administrative person like Sue and she's just like so amazing, just like really, you know, she knows what she's doing. And, um, and, and, and you know what? What I hear from that is that I said, well, you know what? First of all, I believe that go and get that, get that passion back for God. And second, this is the thing. You seek God because it's, it's not about the call of God. It's about you responding to what God says. When I first got saved, the second week when I got saved, God spoke to me and he said, I want you to be my pastor. And guess what happened next? I went off to do my business. Studied, you know, um, finding my wife. And, uh, and I did business, you know, Asian, you know, you, you do business. You make money. <laughs> That's what you do. Okay. And uh, no, no Pentecostal pastor for Asians. You know. <laughs> but, um, but, what, but what I found is that it took me years and years to come back to a place where I surrender my will, my mind, and my heart to the Lord. And I say, God, I'm going to surrender my life to you. It's not about the business. It's not about what I do. It's not about my desire. It's not about what I want. It's about, it's about doing what you want me to do. Because you know why? That was, that was the time that I got my life right with Jesus. And, and I started to feel like, God, I can't do without you. And then God speaks. Go and serve me. You know, if you can get that relationship right, and you can always get the workmanship right. Amen? So, so uh, but... How many of you guys know that that's what happened with Timothy? I want to go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2 in verse 3 and 4. Timothy was sent, first, um, first Timothy was sent to Corinth to pastor a church there. But guess what? He failed and he went back to Paul. So he was sent by Paul to this particular place to pastor a church in Corinth, the Corinthian church. And guess what? He failed. And he failed really badly. And after that, he went back to Paul. Years after, Paul said that, you know, you're restored now, Timothy. And I want to send you back. I, I want to send you for another assignment. I want to send you for another purpose and another mission. And I want you to go to this church in Ephesus to be a pastor there. Is it Ephesus? Yes. So to be a pastor there. And this time, I want you to remember, be strong. And you know, in, the, in that two books of Timothy, 
Paul spoke to Timothy, be strong for 25 times. We don't know who this guy Timothy was, but we had a fair idea of, of, of him being not that strong. You know, and imagine if Pastor James picks up the call and, and call me, hey, Stan, be strong, be strong 25 times. You have a fair idea that I actually I fear my life. You know what I mean? So I believe this is what happened with Timothy. And, um, and, and then that's why Paul said that. He said, Timothy, I'm going to send you for a second assignment. And I believe in you that you can actually do it. So this time around, I have a word for you. And when you go back there this time to be a pastor of that church in that particular place, I want you to pass on what you know. Because I know that there is something good in you imparted by the Holy Spirit. Because your mom did that. Your grandma did that. And I want you to go there to impart what I have given God. God has given you, you know, to the church that I'm sending you to. And then he said, but now he, and, and now Paul goes on to give three analogies for, for Timothy. Basically, he said, Timothy, I want you to, I, I want you to take um, notice Pay attention to these three characters before you start. And, uh, and he, he goes like this. He said, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, Timothy, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. So, how many of you guys know that the word therefore is a command? They say, you therefore, you must endure. You must endure as a soldier. How many of you guys know that um, uh, um, uh, the work of a soldier is, is about protecting his country. It's about um, uh, following the instructions of his commander. You know, how many of you guys have been to Israel before? Wow, it's quite a few. And, uh, and, and I haven't been there, but I would love to. But by the way, um, I don't know whether we have to record it. But by the way, if I go to Israel, that, that means I can't go to other Eastern countries you know, to, for, for evangelism. So I have to really consider my way. But anyway, Israel is lovely. And um, how many of you guys know that there are actually soldiers um, walking on the street of the country, of the nation of Israel right now? Why? Because the surrounding countries... Um, are there to seek to destroy it. So, so what happened to the nation? The nation had to send soldiers on the street to protect its civilians or the citizens. So, so a soldier expects to pledge his allegiance to his nation and to serve and to follow the instructions of his commander. And he, he, a, a soldier expects to fight and he has to suffer um, dangers of war. Guess what's the opposite of a soldier? So a soldier is there to protect the country and the opposite character is civilians or the citizens of the country. A citizen enjoys the benefits and the provision of the nation. You know, as a citizen. You know, a citizen, a citizen or a civilian 
expects comfort or expects to be looked after by the soldiers. And um, uh, what else? A citizen, a citizen just cares about his own affairs of life, his own family and his business, not like a soldier. So Paul actually said that to Timothy. He said, Timothy, I don't want you to think like a civilian. I want you to think like a soldier. Your life is not about you. Your life is about obeying the commands of your commander. And your life is about looking after the civilians of, the, of your nation. And, and Paul said that if you want to walk worthy of your calling, it doesn't matter what you do. But remember, you are called to be a soldier. Expects, um, expects um, war and danger. How many of you guys know that over, in, uh, over the nation of Israel, I mean, obviously, you know, the surrounding countries were, um, I mean, are there to want to destroy them. And the Christians there, they pray like their lives depend on their prayer. I mean, some of you guys have been to Israel, uh, probably better than, you know, better than my, the knowledge that I have, is that um, they, were, they prayed that they, would just, they could just like get protected or live for another day because you don't know whether a bomb comes in and then you're over. Now, we don't have war here. We don't have wars here. We don't have soldiers here. But how many of you guys know that the spiritual intensity, the spiritual warfare here is nothing lesser than that of in Israel. We are, we are in a spiritual battle far more uh, uh, intense than what we realize. Recently, I've been talking to a particular pastor. He's got about 200 people, over 200 people. And he said, when I call a prayer meeting, we only have 12 people turned up. And he said, recently, he said look, we just, we just don't have salvation. People just don't get saved. And, and they, they come in, we, we just sing songs and preach the word and everything. And, uh, and, and, and I just realized that the spiritual intensity is so tangible that we really have to pray and fast and to find breakthrough. So how many of you guys um, are grateful that this church has a strong prayer backup on Wednesday morning? That's why I want to encourage you, go and pray. Go and pray, get breakthrough. And it's so amazing to see how, you know, some of you guys invite friends, you know, to, you know, to, out, to your outreaches and, and, and to, to church. And it's just amazing. Okay, so, so the next one. Let's go on to the next one. And also... If anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. An athlete expects to compete not only for himself, but also for his nation. An athlete expects to exercise. How many of you guys like that? An athlete expects to discipline himself and to keep his mind focused to complete the task in order to win the prize. You know, and we are called to be disciplined, you know, to eat well, not weak-willed, and uh, not to be easily enticed into sin, and to persevere, you know, even though when we are tired. You know, you know why? Because one day you, are, uh, you will be given an account to your king, you know, to your trainer, to your commander like a spiritual gladiator, amen? And um, so when we win the prize, you know, the crown, the reward will last forever. It just doesn't lose, us. It doesn't lose its value. 
Amen. What's the opposite of an athlete? Come on, let's do a little bit Bible study over here. Couch potatoes. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. A spectator. That's right. That's right. You know, and, uh, and basically Paul said that, look, I don't want you to be a, a, a what's it? A, a couch potato. I don't want you to be a couch potato. I don't, want you to, I don't want you to turn on the TV and just watch the game. You know, when you feel like it, you switch your ch- the channels. When you don't feel like it, you just turn it off and go out to do your own things. And God just said, I want you to be an athlete. I want you to run the race and focus. Don't just come here to watch the show. Don't be a show watcher. Be a game changer. Come on. Don't come here and just say, oh, someone should really do the chairs. The paint's sort of like peeling off a little bit. Someone should do it. Um, someone, someone just didn't get the things right here. Someone should do it. You know, I've got this vision, and I can discern, and I can see. Well, if you can see, do something. Okay? If you can, yeah, if you can see it, that means like God is calling you to do it. If you can see the, t- the chairs are not tidy, and guess what? You're not going to run after the pastor or the leaders or, or, or the, one of the young guys at the back. You just go and tidy it. You just go and do it. That's a good. Thank you, Jesus. Make sure it's all recorded. <laughs> and, uh, you know, an exp- uh, uh, a spectator expects to sit down with comfort, you know, and just come and watch and uh, when he feels good, he cheers. When he doesn't feel good, he switches off the, the TV. <laughs> if a competition, if the show is good, you know, he enjoys it. If the show's not good, he walks out. And Paul said to Timothy, if you want to walk worthy of your calling, you know, if you want to fulfill the call of God that God has for you, if you want to pursue that passionate love with me, you can't be a spectator. You can't just like come here and sit down and receive. Because before you receive, you're going to learn to give. Before you receive, you're going to learn to initiate. You know, you're going to learn to discipline yourself. It's not like when you were asked to, uh, to do something and then you just do a week one. When you ask, say, for example, if you're asked to be a dog greeter, you know, you do one week and two weeks and then later on you think, oh, maybe, you know, no one says that I'm doing a good job. So maybe I'm not called for that. <laughs> so, pastor, I don't want to greet door now. Well, what do you want to do? Oh, I just want to pray and seek the Lord. Okay. <laughs> Uh, when? I'll, I'll just seek the Lord in my own time because just me and the Lord has something going. Just me and the Lord. You have nothing going without the church. The body of Christ is not just about you. It's always your relationship with God. is always you and God and the church. Your relationship, your Christian walk, your walk of faith is never about you and God. Your Christian walk is always about God, you and the family. It's always that. So you always have a triangle, triangle relationship going. It's always you. You know, it's always about loving God and loving people. Okay? And in terms of loving people, to be a little bit more uh, specified, I should say that to, to love people by protecting the unity of the church. Protecting the unity of the body of Christ. It's not just like, oh, I love you. I just like 
get you a cup of tea, I love you and give you a hug. Well, those things are good. But the real love is that it, it, is that it shows in unity. That means like in t- at, at times that when you don't agree, can you still love? Can you still submit to the corporate idea? And to say, you know what, it's not about me. Because like oftentimes, we, we, we make decisions, we judge, we discern, we give opinions out of our past experiences. We just think because in the past. But how many of you guys know that um, the old wine skin can't carry new wine? And many times, I try to move forward with what God is doing in the next days and weeks and months and years to come. And I just realized that sometimes my mind would switch back to the past. Like back then, the revival was like that. So that in the future, if, if, we, if I don't see those elements, then it's not revival. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, old wineskin. No, old wineskin. You go and... Is it that funny? I don't... Anyway, I was just trying to come across like a rebuke, but it just comes out funny. But anyway, whatever way you want to take it. So, so that means like sometimes we have to learn to realize that, hey, look, our mind has to be renewed. It's not about going back and referencing what you have experienced in the time past. Okay, you look at the past and learn from it, but your goal, your focus, your purpose is always ahead of you. Okay, look at the windscreen. You know, not the back mirrors, but sometimes you look at that. But 90% of the time you have to look forward. All right, you can't drive by looking at the rear mirror. <laughs> Amen? So the last bit. Let me finish over here. The last line. The hardworking farmer must be first partake of the crops. Consider what I say, Timothy, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. A farmer expects to prepare the ground when no one sees. He's the first one to initiate the sowing. A farmer expects to sow and to fertilize and to work hard for long hours in all kinds of weathers, over long period of times, weeks and months, in order to materialize the harvest. Amen. I farm, uh, I, the farmer sows seed. What does that mean? Sowing seeds means to initiate yourself first. We, we have some people, in, I have some people in our church, and they say, well, Stan doesn't call me anymore. He used to call me once a week, and now he calls me once every two weeks. Not pastoral anymore. And then one of, our, one of our young guys, he said, bro, he goes like this. He said to a whole bunch of young adults, he said, bro, you don't expect Pastor Stan to call you. He said, you know what? You should pursue him. You should pursue him. You know, if he doesn't call you, you call him. And I said, you know what? If you call me, definitely I will come with a cup of coffee, you know. So, and I thought, well, that actually makes sense. You know why? Because like, it's not like I don't call other people. I call everyone but not everyone calls us back. So part of the responding to the call of God is that God always, God has called you, but you have to call him back. And I found that a lot of people, they put things off. They neglect things. They, 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 they delay things. You know, they're passive. You know, after someone, you know, the cell group leader calls you, you know, two, three weeks, 
and you just don't return the call. And imagine if God calls you, it's like if I say hi to you, hi, and then you respond like, <laughs> and then two weeks later you go, hi, and then you go like, <laughs> they don't know how to respond to call. What's the remedy? What's the solution for that? What's the solution? If, you, if someone calls you, I'll give you this a million dollar answer. So simple. Call them back. Call them back. Same as for God. If God's, if God's called you to do something, and, and you know what? You call Him back. Say, so God, what, are you, what have you got me to do? What is the purpose of my life? And, and if he doesn't answer, guess what, you, guess what after? Guess what next? How many of you guys know that when God called you and then you call him back to clarify something and God doesn't answer you? What are you going to do? Give up? Just walk out. Just be a civilian. Enjoying the comforts. Yeah? Just be a show watcher. Yeah, come on. Just be a consumer because maybe I'm not called to be a farmer. Maybe I'm not called to be like a soldier. Maybe I'm not called to be like an athlete. athlete. But Paul clearly said that if you want to fulfill the call of God, you have to think of these things. Be disciplined. Exercise. Focus. Pursue the call. And guess what do we have to do? You know, if God doesn't answer, keep knocking. If God doesn't answer, keep asking. If God doesn't answer, keep seeking. If God doesn't answer, I'm not going to let you go until you answer me. You know, if I have to pray overnight, if I have to read a little bit more, if I have to uh, ask for counsels and pursue, I'm going to pursue the call of God until you answer me. Because, because in this relationship, God, it's not one way. It's going to be two way. If you call me, so passionately, and, and, and your son, you send your son to die for me, why, am I, should, why should I be sitting down just to watch? I'll stand up and pursue you back. In other words, I, I've resolved in my heart that I'm going to go after God. I'm going to go after you. Amen? So what's the opposite of a farmer, I already talked about that before. As a consumer, as a consumer, a farmer works so hard and, uh, and, then, and then he harvested his produce, you know, takes it to the shop and the consumer just comes in here and pay a little price just to grab those, you know, produce, you know, cheap price and he can choose, pick and choose. I like this, I don't like that today. I like broccoli, but, you know, I don't like this. I like meat, I don't like veggies. I can pick and choose because I've got, cons- uh, you know, because I'm, I'm a consumer, you know. And I like to go to somewhere, it's called budget, it's cheap. You know, pay a cheap price just to consume. All right? So what has God called us to be today? Is he calling us to be... Um, to be a soldier, a farmer, or an athlete? Or has he called you to be a civilian who, who goes after comfort? Or has he called you to be 
a show watcher, a spectator, or a consumer. And this is something that you have to choose. No one can choose that for you except you. Amen. I'm going to finish over here. But my encouragement for you is that when Paul said to Timothy that you therefore must be these, and I believe that the Holy Spirit comes with a word and he empowers you to do what God has called you to become. And he won't call you to do something that, well, I'll put it this way. When he called you to do something differently, you can't do. If he has called you to do something that you can do, and that's not the call of God. Okay, he, he will call you to do something that you can't do. And then you say, how could that be? Well, that's why you have to lean on me. You have to walk by faith and you have to follow me. Amen. Let's just close our eyes and pray.